Give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. We are here to review the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, The Inner Fight. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies. Returning with us this week, Larry Avery. How you doing, man? Doing great. Glad to have you here as always. And also on the podcast tonight, we have Cal Jones. How are you doing, man? Mm, adjusting my camera, but other than that, glad always to be here. So awesome to be with you guys. So yes. We're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Lower Decks, The Inner Fight. Captain Freeman assigns the Lower Deckers an overly safe mission to try and keep a destructive mariner out of danger. The episode was written by Mike McMahon and directed by Brendan Williams. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen this episode, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spread. No, let them spoil them all. <laughs> The spoiler warning has been dropped and we are back to talk about this episode. And as always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, you have anything for us this week, sir? Indeed, I do. So you know I do. And what I have is, believe it or not, I think Lower Decks went deep. <sighs> they did. So deep. And, this, and that is not a dig. It is a deep dig into a character, but... They went deep, and I lo I loved it. I was there for it. Larry, if you'll go ahead and give us your high-level opinion of the episode, sir. Good and bad. Mm. I, mm. I um, again, sometimes, what did, what did we say about Lower Decks the other week? When Lower Decks does their own thing, Lower Decks is at its best. When they do mention stuff, and they do say, hey, yeah, remember the blah, 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 it's kind of like this. I'm confused, absolutely. How old is Mariner? You should have been in Tasha's chat. That's Tasha about to just snap. And I think Wingrace also addressed this. Yeah, I had the same question you had. Like, how old is Mariner? But I think we have to realize where we are in the timeline, which, according to all our friends here, we're only a couple of years after Nemesis at this point. Yeah, but we can't be a couple of years after them because they know they've actually mentioned stuff I thought from Nemesis before or things that happened. To Whatever. I don't know, but Mariner is is obviously like 40-some years old at this but no, point. But no, I mean, it, 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 it all kind of grocks. I think it all kind of makes sense. And, you know, again, the chat can can enlighten us if we're wrong in this, but I think it all kind of grocks. They actually put pointed me in the right direction because I was like, this timeline makes no sense at all. But actually, it does. I think we're about 20 years before the events of Picard. So I think it kind of it kind of lines up. It doesn't seem like it should, but it does. And uh, we were getting some some feedback in the chat already. When Grace is saying it has to be after Nemesis because Riker was captain of the Titan in season one. And Tasha is saying definitely not 40. Yeah, we got to think in, in this episode. And this might be one of the problems you had, Larry. But I felt like all the tie ins were so good, so juicy. And I am normally the person that is not loving the references, but these references were not throwaway references. They were deep references ingrained in these characters and even the whole premise of what Lower Decks is off that TNG episode. It, it, it's deeply 
ingrained in this episode. So I thought all the tie-ins were good, but I'm going to go to Kyle first and go ahead and get his high-level thoughts of the episode. So I will say that I am kind of with Larry a little bit in the sense of there were some of those lower decks, lower hanging fruit. And most notably, the one that stands out to me is Boilmer saying, you know, whenever he's sleeping, you know, Beverly Crusher or something, you know, I think that was a little bit too much. But other than that, everything else were all the elements of what has made me like lower decks this season. You know, for me, the episode was so juicy that didn't even bother me. I mean, normally on a on a normal Lord X episode, I would have cherry picked that out and said, oh, these references. But everything else was so good. I, it really just kind of went over my head and I really paid it no mind. And that really didn't bother me. It was just, you know, when Larry mentioned that, that's what popped into my head as, oh, yeah, you know, that makes sense. That's that's one of them. Yeah. So I want to get into the age thing just a little bit. And we're going to I don't know if we should talk about it this early in the episode, but it all ties into the first duty episode of TNG and the Lower Decks episode of TNG. Mariner is basically the same age as the the, uh, Nova group. She's a little bit younger. She was in that same class as all of them. And that's referenced in this episode. So she's roughly a little bit younger than Wesley would be and, you know, Nick and all those guys and Sato and all those. She's very close in age to them. Does that grok with you, Larry? I'm waiting for y'all to explain because I'm looking back and I'm seeing how it was Will Wheaton when uh, Nemesis came out so I can see what they're saying a little bit. But see, Zito Jax, that's a a big one for me. I, Mm -hmm. I want you to definitely do that justice. And just randomly throwing out, yeah, man, she was my friend. It was cool to hear that name mm-hmm. because that girl has been died. She has died. She's been resurrected. Everything has happened to that character. Well, that's in the beta canon. In the beta canon, she was. She they found out she was in a Cardassian prison camp. She was not dead, and she was later freed after the Dominion War. And but again, that was you know books and stuff, so not canon. In, re- in respect or in regards to that particular character that you guys are mentioning, for me, not being as versed in the lore of Star Trek as I am, say, in Doctor Who, not being as familiar or e- honestly familiar with this character at, at all, it was a name to me and nothing really more. But what that did to me still, having the context that they provided, made me like Mariner even better. So even without having the context that maybe Larry that you have or anyone in the chat or you, Clarence, I still enjoyed it and I like the context of it. So let's go ahead and get into the episode a little bit. Uh, And we see that Mariner is on a death wish. Now, the question I want to ask you guys is, was this whole death wish or Mariner out to play hero or do the most dangerous thing possible did you think it was well placed in this episode? And did we have enough time to sit with that before we kind of came back to maybe the resolution of that? I would have liked it more if they would have seeded it just a little bit earlier in the season. Now, I know she had different she had different things going on in the season, but not really this specific death wish thing that she was going on in this episode. So did they see that enough or did it just feel like a matter of factly we're going to do this just to make this point in this episode? I, I felt like it was like, yeah, we're just going to do this. 
There's there's really no we've laid no groundwork for it, but we're gonna do it anyway. And I like I said, those episodes are very very. Those are some of my favorite Star Trek episodes to not more or less feature the main cast. You know, First mm-hmm. Duty, and then of course Lower Decks. So I it's like I said, I did not dislike it, but it did come out of nowhere. I'm going to agree a hundred percent with you. I wish that we would have given or would have been given one little tidbit, just a little line maybe in one of the previous episodes that they could have not even have, you know, Mariner in the scene, but just maybe the other characters reference something about how she's just going off half cocked or something like that, or she's got a death wish or whatever you want to call it. I would have appreciated that and then had this. It, it it definitely seemed like they were getting there, but they maybe just didn't know exactly what they were going to do by the time they got to writing this episode. So, um, yeah, I mean, I still think it worked for the episode, but it did did feel a bit rushed. Uh, Mary Kay is saying that she agrees with that it did feel rushed as well. Oh, and Natasha is saying that they teased it a bit in the Ferengi episode. We know she visited the the Ferengi memorial thing, and of course, she with her friend, she was um pretty much reckless. She got into a fight, so. It, definitely she was being reckless in those episodes. I, I do get that. But to me, this just it it, it kind of jumped out at me. But, you know, nothing bad. I love the episode, by the way. But it just felt a little weird. I agree with that fact. But I also say Mariner has been the voice of reason for a lot of the season. So, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a surprise to see her go back when they were on um, Tendy's world, when they went through other stuff now she did go a little bit crazy in the whole uh boopsie still great episode because <laughs> she thought ransom was out to get her but other than that meredith's kind of played the back and she's kind of been the voice of reason quite a few times mm-hmm. but you know then she's you know she's had her mariner moments because we know mariner's gonna mariner and that's just the way it is so the question is will mariner keep marining going forward i don't hmm. know is she a change is this Mariner the White? Has she r- r- battled her demons and has arisen from the grave? I don't know. Maybe we need to marinate on that for a minute. Uh, Marcy and Larry, your point is valid. I did love that Talyn was back for this episode. That really made me happy. Well placed. She's just great in Lower Decks. I love it. I want to pick up Tasha's comment real quick because she's mentioned in the timeline that we talked about earlier. First duty was 2368. She could have been 15 or 16 in Academy if we assume that Mariner could be roughly 29 or slightly older at this point. To me, yeah, again, to me, it kind of makes sense. I actually love the tie-ins that they made. I think it's really well placed. So Captain Freeman gets intel that this mysterious ship is now targeting Starfleet, former Starfleet officers. And, you know, they have a very interesting list of civilians that need to be located and escorted back to earth. This list really surprised me. So here we go. Seven to nine, Beverly Crusher, Thomas Riker, Nick Lacarno. Well, of course we know Beverly Crusher. We know where she is from Star Trek Picard because it was after Nemesis. She booked up. So we know that. <laughs> and then um, the seven to nine, we know where she was. She got rejected from Starfleet or they would not let allow her in. And so we know she's probably somewhere. I don't know if she's with the Fenris Rangers yet, right? Lacarno, I'm going to be straight up with y'all. In my head canon, him and Tom Paris are cousins. <laughs> I, I, I have just come to peace with those are 
Those are first cousins. Leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. Again, I talk about how much I listen to the Delta's Flowers podcast. And it's funny him talking about getting casted for Voyager. They wanted a Nick Lacano like character and he had to go in and read for it. <laughs> he had to shave his, he had a long beard. He had to shave his beard and, and get that look he had before and actually audition for the, the, the part. So yeah, that's, that's that whole lore around that character. The backstory around the character is like really interesting, but good on him to have this character still be around I had no idea where this character would be at this point. I, he he's really has not been on my mind. But as I go back and think about that episode uh, and, and kind of think about the character, one of the best episodes of TNG as well, because in that episode, we get that thing we've been missing from Picard in the last three seasons, that courtroom drama type thing. And we get to see kind of Picard do his thing in that episode as well. So very good episode. If you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch First Duty. Great episode. Yeah, just a crazy pull for Nick Lacarno. I, I, you know, even them mentioning mentioning him and that they're going to find him, I really still didn't rock in my mind that we'd be seeing him in this episode. So, uh, just amazing coming from Archer saying that in all this, I feel Captain Freeman trying to keep her daughter safe. Yeah, she sent Manor to Lynn Boimler. All of them. Boimler, yeah, not Manor to Lynn Boimler and Tindy. Yeah, Tindy. Yeah, was on except this. for Rutherford. Yeah, they she sent them off on this mission. This safe mission to go repair a satellite. So yeah, she's she's really in tune with her daughter and sees that she's been doing some crazy stuff lately. Everybody sees it. So how many of us really thought that the safe the safe mission was going to be the safe mission? I Nobody. mean, did we not see that coming a mile away? Two by the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No nobody thought that. Well I mean you wouldn't even have a show, you know, some people say Oh, well, they sent the Star Trek ship to here and this happened. Okay, we got to have a show. So, of course, something's going to happen. And then the other group, we have Freeman, Shacks, and Rutherford going to New Axon. Axton is supposedly a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Tasha pointed this out on her review that we get a lot of Star Wars references in this episode, whether intentional or not. If you read into a little bit, you can see all the Oh, and visual, um, visual Star Wars, too. Yeah, so so take a drink every time you think about a Star Wars reference in this episode. But but New Axton is supposed to be such a seedy place. Now, what I really loved about this whole thing here is that even though they're supposed to be so bad, they're just so not feeling anything Federation slash Starfleet on their planet. <laughs> like I see you wearing the suits, man. You you can't trick us here. Yeah, it was fun seeing Freeman try to play the the CD person in the group. It really it really was fun seeing her try to do that. You know, it was, it was classic Freeman actually. I enjoyed the fact that they didn't make Freeman seem like a dope. That she already had a thing in place. Cause I was gonna be like, you know, Carol Freeman's a smart captain. You know, and I love the fact when she says, yeah, I knew they were going to do that. That's why I did this. And I was like, there you go, girl. I really thought she was, I agree with you. I really thought she was just kind of off a rocker. But yeah, in the end, she had a plan. And that was in the form of Commander Billups to actually get the information. Uh, Mars X for the Star Wars reference. Reference The first one for me was New Axton. It reminds me of Mose Eisley a little bit, just in the sense of it looks sort of like it. <laughs> And they're going there to, and it's supposed to be such a bad place, according to Captain Freeman. So, and uh, for Star Wars, for me, when they arrive at the place that they're going, the uh, ship that they're in looks to me like the ship that in A New Hope that Luke and 
um, Ooh, bin really? are in the the you know the sand thing that yeah. they were, were riding in speeder. It, yeah, the speeder. Land speeder. It, yeah, the land speeder. It looks a little bit like that to me. A bigger version, but it had that same look to it. And I'll go ahead and spoil the other reference is the monitoring station on Shovel 5. A lot like indoor, you know, they got to get to the station. It's another it even signal. looks like it. Yeah. So, yeah, there were there were, there were a few in here. So, in Bounty Hunter, you know, um, mm-hmm. Billups was a bounty hunter. All those definitely were like drizzled through the episode. But, yeah, I loved, I loved Freeman in this episode. I thought she was good. We got uh, another Clint Howard reference with, with the Baylock alien. Uh, that was sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, we've been fooled once. Starfleet has been fooled once. We're not going to be fooled again. Uh, but it was a real alien. Go figure. Yeah, well, who didn't <laughs> think it was going to be? You know it wasn't going to just be that gag, you know. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. So let's get into the Tendy to Land Mariner and Boimler part of the episode. They go repair the satellite. They attempt to leave. They get... Fired upon by a Klingon vessel, and they have to beam out at the last minute before their shuttle explodes. Chaos on the planet, officers everywhere maroon on the planet, battling it out in a battle royale type thing on the planet. Definitely getting those battle royale vibes. But what do we think about all these officers being on this planet? One thing that was pointed out to me that I didn't realize, they said it was all the the first officers and the captains that were on the planet, which I really didn't get it. So we're assuming everybody else that's not on the planet was in on the ruse or maybe they were offered a deal to stay with their ship. Now, I know a little bit about what's coming up next in the in the next episode. I won't mention it here, but, but what, what, are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Because it seemed like it should have been way more people on the planet, if you ask me. Yeah, it was. I, I was a little weird. I, I just assumed that maybe the rest of the crews were somewhere else on the planet and these people were there. But, you know. Yeah, I'm going to agree with what Tasha said. The rest mutinied. I just, mm. you know, saw that the people that were on the planet were the leftovers of the ships. And it just so happened that you had a Klingon ship that was still up there. The other ships had gone on and did whatever it was that they did. So all the crews of all the ships mutinied? That's the that's the impression I got. Weird. So Wingrace has a comment here saying that it seems that and, and this might be a slight spoiler for the next episode, but it makes sense. Nick is collecting all the lower deckers from all the other ships for whatever it is he has going on. So I'm assuming since we didn't see them, that maybe they're part of this bigger plan that Nick LaCrono may have that we saw at the end of the episode. Who knows? I guess that's to be determined by the next episode, but... So let's talk about Maha, if I'm saying his name right. The Klingon that we saw on the Wedge Dooge episode, once again, making a return. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this might be what you're talking about, Larry. They're building up upon their own lore over and over, and they're bringing this character back. And man, um, they decide to sleep it over for the night. The Our Lord Deckers go the long way around, and Mariner is not having it. She's going to go in the cover of the night. And she runs into Ma, the Klingon from Wedge Dooge. And man, what transpires between these two, I never expected. And this is like Lower Decks getting deeper than I ever thought it would. Mm-hmm. Because they meet, they fight, they run from the hell rain or the, the glass rain. And they're in his cave and they befriend each other. And Mariner finally opens up. This is what I love about any TV show. And, you know... 
my go-to is always Doctor Who of, about how you learn something in Doctor Who that changes your perspective of previous episodes that you've watched. This is what this episode did for me with Mariner, because you get so much deep dive into the character that it goes back and explains all this random crap, for lack of a better word, that she's done for three and a half or four or however many uh, seasons it's been so far. It, to me, adds context as to who she is now giving me the ability to maybe go back and watch her in season one, maybe with a new set of eyes. When TV can do mm. that, I'm there for. Loved it. I'll be honest with you. I was I was really not feeling it. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not like everybody else. I really wasn't. Like I said, you have no how many times, you know, I've read books about it that I've envisioned in my mind what was going to happen. And her just going... Oh, yeah, this was one of my best friends at the Academy, and we were the best friends, and we were buddies. And, and it's like, come on, at some point, we would have found this out in the last three years. But, hey, if everybody else is happy with it, you know. Yeah. yeah did we wait too long to get it? Mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But, oh, man, I was just buying it so much. I just love the tie-in so much. I can't even complain about it, man. The way it pits this character with a character that we know had a very tragic few episodes in in Star Trek, you know, from going from being on the the, the Nova Squad and being a part of a cover up to earning the respect of Captain Picard, only to come to her demise in a covert mission. And Mariner is allegedly. Kind of, allegedly but but Mariner is pouring her heart out about, you know, being friends with this character and with Sato. And, you know, she didn't want to she well, she didn't come out here to fight battles. She didn't come out here to wage war. She came out here with to do what we often think of what Star Trek is or what the Federation or Starfleet is to explore, find strange new worlds. And and that's what she was coming to do, but definitely got caught up in all of the war that was going on during the time of uh, of of the the nineties run of, of Star Trek, she got caught up in it. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a great story. I really did. I liked when she was talking about not fighting because there's one where uh, is it strange? It was before Strange New Worlds. It's another Star Trek with Captain Calhoun, and there's a verse he says speaking to um, actually. Um, our girl that came back in season Picard, uh, Admiral Shelby. Mm -hmm. And he tells her the best day of being a Star Trek captain is when you meet a new species. Being a Starfleet captain is meeting a new species. The best day is when you have a, a great away mission. When you, He said the worst day is when you have to say fire phasers or arm photon torpedoes. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of remind me what she was saying. We're out here to be explorers. The fighting and the war, that's what we don't want. And we learned that Mariner originally wanted to be a captain. You know, I found that very interesting, but who doesn't? I mean, let's be honest. And we saw she emerged and she started to just lead this group. Like she's telling everybody what to do. You know, she has all of her lower deckers as well as Maha to back her up while she finally, finally, after all these seasons, she becomes the leader. You know, we were talking about this last week. Who would step up as a leader? Would it be Boimler? Would it be Mariner? She definitely stepped up in this episode. And I hope that continues for one. 
Now, can we have a leader in all the silliness? Who knows? I'd like to see if they can do that in a writing, but I am um, I'm here for it, man. Lower decks is, is definitely worn me over this season. I just wanted to continue. Let me throw this in. I love the hug between Mariner and uh, the Klingon dude. I can't Marg, uh, Mog. Uh, I loved, I loved that. That that to me was character development on both part. So that kudos. was sweet. That that's kind of like a Whovian thing when uh, Clara hugged the other doctor. I don't think I'm a hugger. Yeah. I really don't. You don't have a choice. Yeah, I was getting Neelix hugging Tuvok vibes. Oh, no, I can see that too. Yes. <laughs> oh man, but but so good. Uh, Mariner gets beamed up, and then we have the whole Lacarno revelation. Uh, we get the revelation from Freeman and her group as they enter in where they think Lacarno is. We get you know diagrams of this mysterious ship. We know that he's involved, and on the other end, Mariner awakens in that ship and she sees Lacrano, who again knows her <laughs> you know thinks that she should have been part of nova squad is, is what he says so the ties are deep here what did we think about Lacrano's return we we see him in this episode and you know with with the sh- uh sh- shruggy beard and all i was like you have no idea how feel how that was feeling for me number one because of course you know we get our boy back you know, because he had the little cameo as Tom Paris earlier. But we get him back. Nick Lacarno is such an ingrained guest character in my mind. As I said, that episode was probably one of my favorites of Next Generation with the Nova Squad. I love the fact that they mentioned it adds more. What did you say, Kyle? Hearing things later on that adds more Mm -hmm. to what you've watched. Now, because now looking forward back, yeah, look at Nova Squadron and him saying, oh, yeah, you should have been a member, Mariner, makes perfect sense to me because we know it was a different time when that episode was 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 filmed. But Nick Lacarno has been a character that I have prayed they would bring back in live action Trek and do something. And like I said, Lacarno's and Paris's are cousins. I don't care. That's my own head cannon. I'm sticking with. Ain't none of can convince me different. But yeah, I was over the moon to see um, him come back as Lacarno after all this time. Yeah, in, in the episode where he was forced to fall on the sword, he didn't do it willingly. But in the end, he took the fall for the rest of his members and allowed them to to go on in Starfleet and disgrace a little bit. But they all made their way. To see this character come back and even on his his uh jacket, I think we saw the Kovart, is it Kovart Starburst? He had a symbol of that on his jacket. He did. Yeah, so um he's not letting this go. <laughs> he is not letting this thing go, man. He has been it has been eating away at him uh for however long it's been since that episode. And will it be worth it? I don't know. Uh, do we think they can stick the landing on this? Any predictions on where they're going to go in the next episode with this whole Nick Lacarno thing? Mm. Do we know if the next episode is 20 some odd minutes or is it an extended episode? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it would seem like it'd be hard to wrap up in one episode. But right. wouldn't it wouldn't it be nice, though, if we did find out that she was alive? Or if they brought Jean, mm. everybody forget about my girl, Jean Haja, who was the other member of Nova Squadron with the dark hair. You know, yeah. it would be awesome if they would bring them back. It would be awesome. Hell, if Wesley 
would for once make an, an appearance. Mm. You may be on to something because that would be a easy peasy incontinuity way of wrapping things up if we've only got 20 some odd minutes. Yeah. I agree. Is his, is his goal only to do that maneuver, which I think he could have done that already in the last 20, in the last some odd years, let's be honest. But it, does he want to get every Starfleet officer? Think of that list again. Does he want to get every Starfleet officer that's been disgraced and wants to bring them into his group and do something? I don't know. I don't know. Why has he been stealing these ships or whatever he's doing to these ships? I'm, I'm assuming he's stealing them. Uh, what's going on with that? Uh, what What's his endgame? I don't know. I don't know. So let me ask a question real quick. Is his ship a, a huge ship? or Because I've always, every time we've seen it, I've always thought it would be, you know, it was simply like a, the way they portrayed it was like a one-person capsule-looking ship. But I'm assuming that it's huge. Well, I don't think I don't think it's that big, but we do see the inside of it in the end of the episode when Mariner wakes up. Right. That's what so, I'm saying. Yeah. So it makes it look bigger than what, you know, I had previously thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does seem look a bit bigger than I thought it was going to be as well. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Larry, do you have any predictions for the next episode or what are your thoughts going into the finale of the season? You know, it, it depends on what what they want to do, because, I mean, literally, I have no idea what they're doing. I'm not going to even tell you I do. I have no idea what what is the purpose of Locarno coming back. What is he doing? You know, I guess they'll explain that to us. But I definitely I'm looking forward to it. I'm here for it. And with that, I think we should go ahead and get ratings for this episode. If no one has anything else to, to say about this one in particular. And also, if you're in the chat, how do you rate this episode? What What would you give it out of five? Please put that out in the chat. Or, you know, if you're listening later, hit us up on social media. And let us know, you know, what you think about this this episode on five point scale. Cal, let's start with you, man. What would you rate this episode? Mm. I'm going to, off the top of my head, give it a four point three ships that I thought were smaller but are bigger than I thought they were out of five. <laughs> four point three. Larry, how would you rate this episode, man? I'm gonna go with a four point four. Mm, 4.3 from Kyle, 4.4 from Larry. I'm going to give this five, five weather satellites out of five. <laughs> I love this episode, man. I, I could keep watching it. I think it was great writing. This is the writing that I expect from the Lower Deck writing team. I mean, Mac McMahon wrote this one. So definitely going to be one of the better, better ones you would mm. hope. But I just I love this episode, man. I really have no qualms with it. Now, we have the mystery to be continued. We end with the to be continued. What does that mean for the next episode? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But hopefully we have a good trajectory here and we'll we'll stick the landing, as we said often in the Star Trek Discovery days. Mm. Hopefully they stick the landing. And, you know, we're, we're debating and talking about what might happen in the Lower Decks episode. When would, when have we done that before? When have we had seeds of breadcrumbs to actually, to me, is it almost is bigger than the show, what they're presenting to us. And I'm, I'm just really loving it. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm aggrandized and get a bit too much. <laughs> because you said that I am reserving the right to amend my vote and I'm putting it as a 4.8. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Cool beans. Cool beans. Somebody said in chat, <laughs> I think it's Wing Grace, uh, Josh Albert, RIP, unless they change that. Uh, you never know what could happen, man. But I know, <laughs> you know, they're always talking about doing this Academy show. Mm-hmm. They missed their choice. I'm Rick Berman. You can love him. You can hate him. Whatever. I'm, it's not, doesn't matter. They missed their shot right there, man. That group, Nova Squadron, with Ooh. Wesley Crusher, Will Wheaton, and we know Robert Duncan McNeely, we know he's a phenomenal actor. They could have done their own spinoff on that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they very well could have. That would have been great. I mean, sadly, <laughs> we we probably never got the Voyager that we got. Yeah. Because he would have probably been on that show. But kind of thinking of the drama we got there, and I don't know if I want a Teenage Angst Academy show, which we've kind of heard about before, but I think they can really do something special just thinking of that one episode of what we got there. I think they can really do something special if the writing is good. So we'll see what happens. Picking up a few of the ratings from the chat, Tasha gives this 5.5 mutinous lower deckers out of five. Marge gives this five out of five glass shards. Wingrace gives this five out of five pilots needed to perform a, a covert starburst out of five. So yeah, yeah, we've getting fives from the the chat here and I'm loving it. <laughs> Clarence, did you see um, what I sent you? Oh, Gina Dar? That's her name. Because I couldn't get it in the chat. Somebody was asking what was her actual name? That's her name. She was the other member of Nova Squadron. So it was a jar, uh, Dax, Crusher, and Locarno. Mm, mm, mm. Could have been Mariner. Could have been Mariner. All right. With that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks to each and every one of you guys for being in the chat. It's been real fun. I love when you guys chiming in. It really makes the conversation really fun and loving all you guys' opinions and you guys even setting up straight or something. So it's really been great. Thank you all for joining. So until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. been listening to the discussing network find out more at discussingnetwork.com